You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, Acadiana? Did you survive the bad weather? We got a little lucky, actually. It, it didn't appear, at least from the, the station's perspective here you know, in Upper Lafayette, it definitely didn't seem to be as as rough as the National Weather Service expected for the Acadiana area. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. And we have an awesome show lined up for you, as always. LSU women's basketball falling short in the second round of the NCAA tournament last night. LSU men's basketball has officially agreed to terms with Matt McMahon. And let's just say from his previous stop, that man got paid. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some Cajuns baseball and softball ahead of their games, ahead of Cajuns baseball tomorrow night, as well as LSU baseball and McNeese baseball. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles is going to join us to talk about the black and gold. And Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser is going to stop in to talk about LSU. Sitting across from me in the in the production box is the producer extraordinaire, Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, bud. Afternoon, Matt. It's it's kind of more Actually, yeah, I'd say it's more of like a big cubicle. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a box. You're you're like a mime. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm constantly stuck in here. I can't get out. Yeah, you know, whatever. So you and I were talking about something right before we went on the air, and we were looking at some NFL mock drafts. The Saints are going to draft a quarterback in round one. They're also apparently going to draft. A offensive lineman and also a wide receiver. There's definitely a lot of diversity. There's there's no one position that people are consistently picking. But here's here's my question: Why would you draft a quarterback with your first round pick if you don't need one to start right away? You would do it if you think you could have him sit down. And wait a year or two, and then that way after that time he's more ready. It's kind of like what the Packers are doing with Jordan Love. Well, right. However, wouldn't that scenario be more suited for I don't know a Sam Howell? I mean it. It would not hurt to have any of these QBs in this draft sit at least a year because we know very well that none of these QBs need to be starting week one of this next season. Agreed. Agreed. They, they really shouldn't touch the field at all. Ian Book shouldn't have touched the field last year, but that's just because the Saints were desperate. Yeah. So that was not a great night. Ultimately, there are going to be at least, there's going to be at least two QBs picked in the first round, even though we really don't think any of them, in my opinion, I don't, I think maybe one of them should be picked. Maybe two, but even then, that should be with the last five picks. Yeah. I, I don't think any of them should be picked within the top ten, but you got to remember, 
QBs go a lot higher than they should because they're such a priority. It's the same thing with tackles and edge rushers. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is the consensus number one overall pick. No doubt. Everyone's got that. After that, there's so much different change, but number one pretty much solidified as Aiden right now from Michigan. Didn't you see Drake London from USC as the number two pick? Yeah, the wide receiver. uh, I I did see that from one website. website It was like, okay. It's an interesting choice for the Lions. Uh, that's uh, They definitely could use an X receiver, but I don't know if you want to pick a wide receiver too. It's kind of the same thing with running backs. You don't want to pick them that high. Right. You'd rather get a running back more of the mid to late first round at the earliest. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's Matt McMahon's ceiling at LSU? Is it 20-plus wins? Is that an SEC championship? Does he make it to the Sweet 16? Does he have the chance to go all the way and win a natty? So far, 15 votes are in. 33% of you say the Sweet 16. There's a tie between a natty and 20-plus wins. And then 13% say that his ceiling is an SEC title. Seven years... $20.3 $20.3 million. That is an annual salary of $2.9 million a year. In case you were wondering, a year ago at Murray State, Matt McMahon only made 500000 So, simple math. His salary just increased by 600 percent yikes James what would you do with 2.9 million dollars a year oh there's a lot I could do I have always had this idea I don't think it's fair oh god he's got a vision he's got a vision I have a vision it's scary but for me I've always wanted to have this own little you know kind of like I guess you could say property okay and it would be one part of it would be half a football field okay but it's turf okay but it's enclosed so i don't have to worry about it getting rained out so it's an indoor 50 yard facility it was 70 because i would put 10 yard end zones at each side okay and then i would have my own basketball court in there okay i would also have on the sides a soccer goal or two Okay, and then I would also have this own little section where it's kind of like your own living room slash kitchen area where you would have a big TV and you could sit on a couch. So it's it, it would almost be like my own personal home so, away from being away from so an athletic <laughs> facility slash apartment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, interesting. And, and I I even did the measure. I forgot what the measurements are, but obviously with It'd be fit. One side would be about 70. One part of it would be 75 yards in length. The width would have to be probably about 80. This guy's (laughs) got it down. So this is is a big facility. 
You've got you've got it all down to a science. And and the thing is, it would ha- it would have like a huge fan, just like in the indoor right. facility, like it for a UL. Right. I like that. Keep that constantly going, but not have it too low to where if you're kicking or punting or throwing, yeah, it doesn't you, hit you the fan. You don't, you don't want the Jerry World scoreboard conundrum. Yeah. Um. Or just have a bunch of different fans. Or just. I don't. I don't know the finer you've details. Been, you've been thinking about this for a long time. I thought you? about it for a while, and then I hadn't thought about it. But now that you had brought it up about what would I do with two point nine million, to be like, it would. It would probably go to that because I'd finally actually have a good reason to actually do it because I probably wouldn't be able to fund that because that is that is a lot of money and that is a lot of property. So two point nine million dollars a year. You know what I would do. Invest. Just have a boring answer. Retire. Or <laughs> that that too. I mean, that's fair. If somebody paid me twenty one million dollars over the next seven years, I would take that paycheck and I would live off of probably twenty percent of it. So one year would be five years. So thirty five years of my life would be set on that contract. Let's see. 24 plus 35, 59. In, in, according to South Louisiana's life expectancy, I might not make it to 60. <laughs> so, boom, there I am. I'm done. You're set. I'm set. Good to go. But you would just live in like a regular old house. Oh, and- yeah. I mean, why? L- look at me. I mean, I- do I need anything extravagant? That's fair. I guess for me, at least, I have a little bit of a give me a give me a four bed, two bath house, and let's call it a day. That's fair. Yeah, I don't. I don't need anything. Two stories or just one story. One story. I don't like stairs. Okay. Okay. Let's get an <laughs> elevator. <laughs> oh. oh. Not now. You thinking? We got a comment on our Twitter question. Uh, Steve Flint says, "Right now, it's the floor." The guy has to walk into the PMAC before anyone can think of titles. Pressure already getting to Johnson since he walked in the box. Well, okay, so I'm I'm going to be a jerk here. McMahon's already walked into the PMAC. He did that last night. <laughs> that, that's my type of answer. Um, that's my type of response. But I do I do get what you're saying. He he's got a. He's got to get to work before you could talk about winning a national title, right? I get that. The Jay Johnson comment, however, is Jay Johnson really feeling the pressure? It's his first year. Do you expect him to go to a natty the first they're year? Fif- and and it's not like they're doing poorly. They're fifteen and five. They're fifteen and five through twenty games. For a first-year head coach in the SEC, a 75% win percentage. What more do you want? It's not bad. It's not It's not the amount of wins. It's how you win. And it has been against not as good opponents. And well, yeah, to start but- off SEC play, you did get – you almost got swept. Almost. You had to, you had to escape a one-run victory. Your only your only bad loss so far this year is maybe the Baylor game. That wasn't a great loss, 
because uh, Tech was a top 25 team when you lost to them. You lose to Baylor, and then you lose two to A&M. A&M's not ranked, but, I mean, they're a solid SEC baseball program. I was going to say it's SEC play. Right. You do want to win your SEC series, but it's a new coach, new year. We're still early into it. Yep. You can't expect to win every single game. You're going to slip up a couple times. And we do have to remember, they can hit, but they're still trying to figure stuff out in the bullpen and still trying to figure out on defense in the field right. itself. Right. Uh, LSU's game tomorrow was originally supposed to be tonight, but they have postponed it to tomorrow due to the inclement weather. They will play Louisiana Tech at Alex Box Stadium, 6.30 first pitch. And as always, we will have it right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's take timeout number one. And when we come back, we will slowly begin recapping LSU's loss to Ohio State last night. We'll dive into it a little deeper with Cookie Riley in the five o'clock hour. But we've got some sound bites from Kim Mulkey and Kayla Pointer that we will we will dissect here in the next segment on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer. The Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Stallion just to name a couple of the artists. That's the Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores when VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. Let's talk some LSU women's basketball now. Um, second round game of the NCAA tournament last night at the PMAC. LSU falling victim to Ohio State 79-64. to But more than falling victim to Ohio State, they really fell victim to, to themselves. You know, if you if you look at the team stats, they shot thirty seven percent from the field, only twenty five percent from the three point line, and about fifty five percent from the free throw line. Um, not great numbers. Kayla Pointer leading the way, thirty two points, two rebounds, four assists, two steals. She did play all forty minutes of the contest. Uh, Jalen Cherry as well, twelve points, three boards, two assists, four steals. The driving factor for the Buckeyes was junior guard J.C. Sheldon, who also played all 40 minutes. 23 points, 3 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals. She was 2 of 5 from the 3-point line, 9 of 17 shooting, and Mike Soul, drawing a blank on the first name, uh, one of the other guards, Taylor Mike Soul, was the other guard for Ohio State who had a breakout performance, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. She was 4 of 7 from the 3-point line. LSU ends their season at 26-6. and 
which is the greatest comeback in SEC history, considering that they were 9-13 and 13 a year ago. First-year head coach Kim Mulkey, she got a lot to build on um, after after year one, and after the game, she, she gave her thoughts on the season overall. I personally judge good coaches based on the talent they have on that floor, and are they overachieving? Did we beat some people this year we should not have beaten? You bet we did. We beat a lot of them. We beat ranked teams. We didn't start this baby ranked. We came from nowhere and just built it. Um, one of my most enjoyable years, obviously, because I won. We were winning and we've won, but it's enjoyable because you can see the impact that one program can have on an entire university. You can see it. And I think all of us in this room saw the impact, and it was done in one year. Now, let me tell all of you right here we lose five seniors. Experience matters. When we tie those shoes up next year, it's going to take a while. We may not have this record. Oh my God, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. We're going to be playing freshmen and sophomores. They got to grow. There's an old thing. It's like, don't win too early, coach. They'll expect it next year. No. Follow me. I've been doing it a long time. I was blessed to have inherited experience. We don't have that next year. We can get in the transfer portal, and we will. But we're going to build this program with high school seniors as well. And those high school seniors are going to be McDonald's All-Americans. They're going to be the best in the country that we can get in here. What a power move, huh? Talking about how they're going to graduate five seniors and talking about how everybody says, you know, don't win too early. She says, nah, just follow me. I'm going to get it done. What a power move. I love that. Two of the seniors that LSU is losing, Kayla Pointer and Jalen Cherry, uh, they both came in as as freshmen together. They leave as fifth year seniors together. With five years with one person, you you definitely develop a uh, a bond and a friendship. And both Kayla and Jalen sat at the podium post game and talked about that. Oh man, I love watching Kayla play. Sometimes I I just get caught in the moment watching her go do her thing. Coach be like, go rebound, go rebound. I'm like, coach, she's gonna make this. But but no, nah, man, we've been here five years together. Um, I remember the first time we walked in Bruce Hard and we hugged each other and we we lived together for five years and this has been my best friend since. And I'm thankful that I've got a chance to meet her and play play on side of her. And, you know, I love her to death. And I know she's going to go be great at the next level. Yeah, same here for Jay. Um, I've seen this kid grow so much from freshman year and even – so much that she's done for us this year and the, plos- the player that she's blossomed into. Um, but not just the player she's blossomed into on the court, just the person she's turned into off the court too as well. Um, so I'm very, very thankful to play with her. Uh, it's been a great five years. Like I said, we came in together. We've been roommates. We've been close. So we decided to come back for another year. And, man, what a year it has been. Like I said, we're not going to hold our heads. We're not going to hold our heads low. Um, we're happy we were here. You know, we came up short, but it's – Forever LSU, always. Definitely. Forever LSU is definitely the mindset from Kim Mulkey and this program. And, you know, one thing that Kim Mulkey has always touched on is 
You know, she didn't play at LSU. She played at Louisiana Tech. But especially since Kramer, her son, former LSU shortstop Kramer Robertson, has come to LSU, LSU's kind of always felt like home. And uh, she talked about being back home at LSU. This is home, Michelle. And it's why I came back. I uh, didn't go to LSU. I competed against LSU. And it's our flagship university in the state. And I've seen what has taken place here through the years, the Final Fours and the great players that played here and the, the stands being full. I knew what it was capable of being like. And timing was right in my life to come back. And as I said in my first press conference, I wanted to be a positive. I wanted to be a positive for LSU. I wanted to be a positive for um, the state of Louisiana. That's why it's so enjoyable. Uh, it's there's just something in your heart and gut tells you, it you know, in your career, this is where you need to be. Um, I don't know if maybe you can tell me. I don't know of any coach in men's or women's basketball that would do what I did. That would leave a dynasty and leave a basically a very talented team to come and 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 just say the reason I came is this is home. The reason I came is um, it felt right. You know, there, there, you always reach a point in your career where you kind of feel like you, you've kind of reached the pinnacle of what you need to accomplish, right? And Kim Mulkey kind of felt like she hit that point. I mean, three national titles at Baylor, multiple-time coach of the year. She's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Like there comes a point where what more do you have to do? What's truly going to cement her legacy is if she brings a national title to LSU. That's what that's what's going to do. Uh, Kim Mulkey's already one of the greatest women's basketball coaches of all time, but she will be the greatest if she can win a national title at LSU. One more audio clip before we take a break, and it's a it's one from Saturday night's game with Kim Mulkey. Actually, never mind. We don't have that one. Never mind. But basically, the 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 point of it is, and I mentioned this in yesterday's show, it's how fun March Madness is. You know how electric and you know just a special environment March Madness can be and I mentioned that yesterday you know I said that if if you weren't a, a March Madness fan that, that something might be wrong with you it, it's just a special feeling and you know that I feel like that's part of the reason players like Kayla Pointer and Jalen Cherry who were seniors last year and could have moved on to the next level a year ago, decided to see it out. You know, they they heard that Kim Mulkey was coming in and they said, you know, we might we might be able to finally experience the NCAA tournament. Which I, I find could have been a, a major factor in in them returning for a fifth season in purple and gold. But again, 
from going from nine and thirteen to twenty six and six in a year is insanely impressive. And this is just the beginning for for Kim Mulkey and for the LSU women's basketball program. So congratulations to them on an amazing season, and we look forward to seeing more of what they're capable to do in the years to come. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we come back, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles is going to join us to talk. Jameis, where do the Saints go in the draft? Do we see Teron Armstead back in the black and gold? Probably not. Who, who fills that gap? We'll do it all right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's talk some black and gold now. Been dominating the headlines the last couple days with the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and finally re-signing Jameis Winston. We'll talk about all of it. Brendan Ertle of the Canal Street Chronicles. Little little backstory. So I also write for Canal Street Chronicles. So Brendan is my man. We call him Big Ert. Brendan, what's going on, man? How are you? What's well, good? I mean, that intro was great. I mean, you got the music going and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Absolutely, man. And let's just let's dive right into it. Jameis Winston, two-year, twenty-eight million dollar deal, twenty-one million guaranteed. On paper, you know this this seems like a very team-friendly deal. Do you think that's part of the reason why it took so long to get it done? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, the thing was, of course, Deshaun Watson, that was the holdup. Regardless who you have at any position, you always look to upgrade, uh, and that's just what they were doing. I mean, especially at the quarterback position, if you can get a, a, a player, a football player like Deshaun Watson, you absolutely try and do it. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out, and all the circumstances around it, we know what was going on there. It just wasn't the right situation for the Saints. Uh, and the, the Colts actually were having a jet fly out to uh, – Jameis Winston on Monday before the deal got gone, before the deal got uh, done essentially, and so it, I, I kind of worry about what happened. What would happen if Jameis got on that flight and he left? Uh, I think he could have got a better contract elsewhere. Obviously, the Colts ended up trading for Matt Ryan, but fourteen million dollar average for Jameis Winston, a quarterback. I mean, that's great value that you can fill your roster, and they still have about fifteen, sixteen million dollars of cap space left. So. I mean, great value for him. Don't really know what he would have gone the open market, but I mean, I'll, I'll take that contract. That's a beautiful contract for the Saints and Jameis. Yeah, absolutely. You know, talking about Saints players being elsewhere for for contract negotiations. Teron Armstead is currently mm-hmm. in Miami meeting with the Dolphins, and according to multiple reports, the meeting today went very well. And discussions are still ongoing. How likely is it that Tehran does not return to New Orleans? I would say it's pretty high. Uh, some some Saints fans are a little concerned about the the wire seer position, uh, but I think the Saints are waiting for the situation to play out. I think they would love to keep Tron. Uh Obviously, the price has to be right for the for the Dolphins. They want to get this done. 
uh, new coach there, and you want to protect your franchise quarterback into a. Uh, so I think that deal will get done. I think they'll figure it out. I know there was concerns with his injury, and the, the way the Saints use the salary cap, you just have to play all the games. You can't be missing half the year. Uh, I was just watching a uh, film from last year this morning, and the amount of times I said, saw James Hurst at left tackle was just kind of crazy to me. And you can't be playing a, paying a tackle $20, 25000000 million to play half the games. So if he, if he leaves Miami without a deal, I think there's still a shot you could get him, but I, I think he's gone. I think he'll still get big money. And the good thing about that is you will get a comp pick out of it next year, probably, uh, depending on the rest of your offseason. But I think the Saints will be in the market for a tackler pretty soon. Yeah. You know, chatting with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles, you know, if, if Teron Armstead doesn't return, you just mentioned that the Saints would be in the market for, for a tackle. Who, who are some names to, to look out for to come to New Orleans? Well, first off, I think if they really wanted to, I think they could roll James Hurst. I don't think that's the ideal situation for him. Um, he's kind of a versatile guy. I think if if you didn't want to add one in free agency, that'd be fine. But if you fill out all your holes in free agency with wide receiver, you get a tight end, um, do what else you got to do. You could go into the draft picking best available player, and there's a couple tackles in this draft that I wouldn't be mad at the Saints taking at 18. Uh, Trevor Penning's a guy that I really like as well. Uh, Charles Cross, a couple guys I think could be day one starters, kind of like Tristan Worf has been for Tampa Bay. So a few guys like that, not ideal. I know Saints fans want to go wide receiver first round, but history tells the Saints love to spend first round picks on uh, D-linemen and O-linemen. So if they want to go that route, I wouldn't be against it. James Mesh sitting in his production booth saying thank you because he's been preaching that to me all day. Um, you know, I want I want a wide receiver. Uh, I think that's the move that we need to make in round number one. Talk staying on the topic of free agency though, with the Jameis move, the Saints still have around seventeen million dollars to spend. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you see that money going? Do we bring in a veteran receiver? Do they maybe try to get a left tackle with that money? What do you think? I think you got to work on bringing in your own guys first. I think Quan is a guy you need to bring back. Uh, I think they're going to let his market play out and see what he gets and see what they can get him for. But I know they would love to have him back. Um, kind of interested to see what happens with Malcolm Jenkins. He had some weird, odd tweaks to his contract. Maybe he's hinting at an early retirement or a retirement next year. That could be a position. Um, but mostly, you got to get a wide receiver. I mean, you have to. Uh, don't stress about it. Don't take too long. Uh, the Saints 24 hours ago didn't have a quarterback, so a wide receiver is not going to sign to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. So you take your time. You get a guy, even if it's not an Odell or Jarvis Landry. I mean, just go out and get a, a veteran, just even a Cole Beasley kind of level tied uh, wide receiver could get you by. And you go into the draft looking for a second or third round wide receiver as well. But uh, I was looking at the tight end list. list. Uh, Eric Ebron is a guy that I like. I think the Saints going to bring in a receiving tight end. And I know Saints fans don't love this name, but Jared Cook is a free agent. And, I mean, we haven't had a tight end as good as Jared Cook in a minute. And ever since we lost Jimmy Graham, Jared Cook has been the best tight end since. So the Saints need to get a receiving tight end. They need to get wide receiver. And I think they'll do that, and they're not going to rush to do that either. Well, you know, talking about the tight end thing, Kyle Rudolph is a guy Mm -hmm. that, you know, intrigues me. Um 
Jordy Holberg, our, our last show, had Bob Rose on, and he mentioned that you know he feels that Kyle Rudolph still has a couple good years of football left. And and I don't necessarily disagree. Do you think that's a, a spot the Saints could look? Absolutely. I think a veteran tight end is the ideal situation because you, you have that young uh, tight end, Adam Troutman, who showed flashes of being a talented tight end in the league, just needs to trim some things up. Nick Finette is going to be a reliable tight end, tight end three. And, of course, Taysom Hill is going to be playing in that wide role a little bit too. Um, also, Jimmy Graham a free agent too. So uh, just some veteran guys like that. Ooh, who come Jimmy catch Graham reunion. 30, 40 uh, footballs for you is is just solid in, in that. Yeah, a, a, a Jimmy Graham reunion doesn't sound doesn't sound half bad. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going back to the draft, one more question. You know, you talked about the Saints loving to pick at O line or D line in the first round, but where would you place more of the priority on drafting a, a lineman or drafting a, a receiver? I think wide receiver is the biggest need right now. If you bring back Jamison on a two-year deal, you are trusting him to work it out. This is Dennis Allen's first year as a head coach. He's not going to want to just get by like they did last year. A defensive coach puts in an offense that they can implement that they struggle to defend. And right now, this offense is not easy, or it is easy to defend. And you have to expect that Alvin Kamara will miss a quarter or half of the season so you could use a running back as well. Jameis Swinson hasn't been able to play with Mark Ingram yet just because of the season played out last year. So you need to add two wide receivers and a tight end. And this offense needs to be so much better than last year just because of the fact you don't have Sean Payton, you now have a defensive coach as your head coach, and uh, Pete Carmichael stepped into a bigger role, and we just haven't really seen him in that role in years. So. I think wide receiver is at the top of the list. If you can get a guy like Chris Olave or Jamison Williams to slip to 18, you absolutely 100% do it. Um, it just kind of depends on their draft board, how the draft plays out. And I, I doubt they try and trade up for wide receiver, but don't look too far. If there's a quarterback they like as well, um, they might do that. But I think wide receiver is the number one priority, and then everything else is once. And, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the biggest one looking at a saints mock draft right now made by pro football focus new orleans in round one the saints taking bernard raymond the tackle from central michigan and then with their second round pick going get george pickens from georgia see I, i would i would love that you get your left tackle and you get a wide receiver in george pickens who is a first round talent that just hasn't had the production yet and a big body receiver and if you can get a second-round guy like that, I mean, there's tons of second-round wide receivers that have first-round talent, but because this draft is so deep, uh, they'll fall. And there's some tight ends, too, that are will go in rounds three or four that should go earlier. But, I mean, this draft is so deep defensively that these wide receivers and the offensive skill positions are just going to fall. So uh, I'm, I, this is a important draft for the Saints, and it's critical for the next – decade honestly this is going to be one of those drafts we look back on they have tons of picks um and they need to hit on most of them not like the 2017 draft class but it needs to be a successful draft just because they're kind of hitting a spot where the cap's getting tight and their rookies their um their rookies are developing into really good players that they're gonna have to pay 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And Brendan, man, before I let you run, I've got one more question for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at our, our simulcast, and we have a picture of you up on our on our simulcast for when you're answering a question. And I've got I've got a I've got a wonder, man. What do I have to do to get some seats next to Brendan Ertle in the Superdome? Hey, we got season tickets. We got four tickets. It, it just you just pull up, you know, hit me up next time I'm at the game. I don't live in Louisiana, so I always try to come to a couple games uh, every year. But we got we got six row tickets. We're blessed with those. Um, hopefully, we can keep them, uh, depending on you know how the season ticket prices look. But they're great seats. Uh, they're on the way bench. So if you like chirping at the way fans and the way team, I mean, it's great seats for you. That's that's my lifestyle. So, <laughs> no, nah, man, b- before I let you run one more time, Brendan, tell everybody where they can find your stuff on social media. Uh, Twitter, at Brendan Ertle, uh, B-R-E-N-D-E-N-E-R-T-L-E. My name is confusing, I know. Uh, got a podcast with Couch Chronicles as well. Work with Matt. We do good stuff over there. So check us out. Absolutely. Brendan, appreciate you taking the time, my man. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again before the season starts. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Before we take a break, let's take a look at the 103.7 The Game poll question. And it is about a new LSU basketball coach, Matt McMahon. What is his ceiling at LSU? So far, 36% of you say a national title. 28% say 20-plus wins. 24% say the Sweet 16. And 12% say an SEC title. And our guy, Tom Grindle, chimes in. Says, I agree with Salty Steve. Until we know what pieces he'll have, what style they'll play, and who his assistants will be, it's a bit premature to say what ceiling to watch for or what floor to be at. With that said, I'd love to see him have success his first season in BR. That's exactly why we put that poll question out. To get people talking. Take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. Open phone lines. 706-0111. Talk about Matt McMahon. Talk about LSU women's basketball. Talk about whatever the hell you want. Take a break on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Talking about the the, the ceiling thing. Matt McMahon's going to do a lot of things well at LSU. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, in seven years at Murray State, he put them in the NCAA tournament three times. Including two appearances in the second round. It's I, I'm interested to see what the punishment is going to be from the NCAA on that scenario. Because, and that's part of the reason why it's a seven-year deal, right? Normally, it would be a three-year deal or a four-year deal. But they built in time to recover from that punishment. However, I don't care what program you are, 
$3 million a year is a lot of money. Results are going to have to come with that money. Will they happen right away? LSU fans are probably going to want it right away. But you got to temper the standard a little bit, right? Because, yes, Will Wade brought success to the program, but he did it in the wrong way. Matt McMahon's going to come in and try to do it the right way. The right way takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in the day. So my advice would be to temper the expectations, give McMahon a couple years to make it his own team, and just let it happen how it happens. Um, That's my advice on that. LSU women's basketball again. Great season, great turnaround from a year ago. Looking forward to seeing what Kim Mulkey can do with that squad going forward. In hour number two, we're going to talk some UL baseball. We're going to talk some UL softball. We got sound bites from both Matt Deggs and Jerry Glasgow. And then we'll talk some McNeese baseball and softball as well. And then Koki Riley will join us at 5.30 to talk some more LSU. Once again, open phone line 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, you all right over there, bud? Yeah, I'm chilling. You chilling? Yeah. So... Let me ask you this. We were talking to Brendan Ertle, and you've been adamant on the Saints going O-line, D-line in round one. Mm-hmm. More O-line, but yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if we got an interior nose tackle. What happens if they trade up into the top five and draft Evan Neal? Wouldn't be mad at that, but that will cost a lot of... What would we have to give up to you make had- that move? Well, whenever you got Davenport, you got rid of this, that year, and the next year's, and that was to go from 28 to 22, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it was 28 to 14. Yeah, it was like 14 to 15. But to get into the top 10, you would have to probably trade that year's, this year's, and potentially next year's, and probably have to throw in a third. Or, so or two, a second, or so a second and a fourth to two first. to get to get to top five. It would it would cost those two probably this year's second, and then probably take this year's not worth fourth. It. Not worth it. You can go get a guy like like that draft that mock draft said Bernard Raymond, and then go draft George Pickens in the second round. Yeah, and and, and with wide receivers, I like where is he? I mean, I wouldn't. I would like. John Mechie from Alabama, yeah. and he's and he's supposed to go kind of low of the back second round or around the early third. Yeah, um, there's there's plenty of talent in, in this league, so uh, interesting to see what the Saints are going to do with about a month to go until the NFL draft. Hour number one 
of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is come and gone. Like I said, hour number two, LSU conversation with Cokie Riley, UL baseball and softball, as well as McNeese baseball and softball. We'll take a timeout. We'll be right back here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Yeah, you guessed it. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. You there. James Mesh somewhere. Well, poet and I didn't know it. I can make a rhyme anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Bull question of the day. What is Matt McMahon's ceiling at LSU? James, I, I haven't gotten your opinion on that question. What is the ceiling? I think the ceiling would be... I'd actually go a little step ahead of the Sweet 16. I'd say I, I think he could get it to an Elite 8 or a Final 4. I don't know if he can necessarily get to a natty at this well, obviously not at this point in time, but I think him getting close to it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, a new comment on the post is Brad Newell forgot to put Final Four as an option. That's my vote. That's been the ceiling for LSU men's basketball for nearly its entire existence. Still going to hope for national championships, though. So, I don't know. To say that the Final Four has been LSU basketball's ceiling for its entire existence is... It's a little high. That's a bit of a stretch, yeah. Because I get it, you have high expectations of your team. I get that. But you do have to remember, I mean, you look at a lot of these seasons, especially recently, they, not just in basketball, but with basketball, they're out within the first two rounds. Well, right. Football, they got the one in 2019. They had the one in 2003 and 2007. But after, before that for football, 58. it wasn't until 58 they got their first one. And the they finally had a football program in 18, like 70-something. So LSU basketball, men's basketball, started in 1908. Okay? Mm-hmm. Since then, they have made four Final Four appearances. 53, 81, 86, and 06. So the last one hasn't been... It's been 15 years. Yeah. It's been 15 years. Um, and that's also the last time that they made it as far as the Elite Eight. That team in 2019 made the Sweet 16. And that was the closest that they have come since 2006. So to say that... I, I, I understand the, the point... But at the same time, that's more of like the sky. Right. 
that's more of the limit and not so much the ceiling. But again, like, like I mentioned before the break, Matt McMahon has done phenomenal things at Murray State with way less resources. Imagine what he's going to be able to do with LSU's resources. Now, we'll see how far those resources are cut into with the impending sanctions. I don't think they're going to get a death penalty. I thought that at first, but I don't think that anymore. Um, the university itself, like I've said, is going to get a scholarship reduction and probably a one- to two-year postseason ban. Will Wade, Bill Armstrong, they're both probably going to get a five-year show cost, uh, which means that they won't coach college basketball in any capacity for the next five years. Let's get into some UL baseball now. 9-10 and 10 on the year. They're coming off a weekend sweep or getting swept by Troy. And they will play Nichols tomorrow night in Thibodeau. Yesterday was the weekly UL press conference with Coach Deggs and Coach Glasgow. And, you know, there, there's no hiding it after this weekend. Troy? That guy must be good. Troy's a good ball club. I was, uh, you know, they're, they're, they return some good players. But that's our league, right? It's a dogfight. And I wouldn't get too caught up on the name. I don't care who it is. It's a dogfight, and the conference should be personal, and it should be a battle. And we've had a lot of success winning leagues, and that's the way we've always approached it. And that's the way this team is capable of approaching it, but we've got to, you know, just quit fighting ourselves so much. It's not a preparation or care thing. I mean, if anything, <laughs> we've got those two things mastered. It's a go-out-and-get-it-done thing, crossing over the threshold and not looking back. Yeah, it comes down to execution. Um Nobody's questioning that the Deggs and Seth Thibodeau and his staff have the prep work down. One thing that the Cajuns seem to struggle with, and it's something that Tony Robichaud preached for decades, timely hitting. You know, you can get four runs in the second and third, but when your opponent responds and you need that big run in the in the later innings, you know, your seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and you're just not finding them. What do you have to do to get timely hits? Well, the two feed off each other, right? And so it's the flow and a takedown. And, and it's always got to start pitching, catching, into defense, carry your confidence momentum off of your defense and getting off the field and then being able to put together some long innings offensively. And what's happening is there's a lot of counterflow going on with us right now. Maybe we're generous defensively and it gets lumped on the hitters, or maybe the pitchers are grinding, 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 and we don't make a play, or we have a quick inning offensively. And so we're battling against each other a little bit, and that's just not the way the game needs to work. And we're more than capable. I think we've put it together twice this year out of 19 games, and look at the Southern Miss game and look at U of H on Sunday. But I think that speaks to it a little bit of our lack of experience at this level all the way around. But 
once again, I believe this team will figure it out and will be a lot of fun to watch, you know, in the weeks to come. Another issue that the Cajuns have been struggling with is, and Deggs called it losing the freebie battle. Walks, hit by pitch, errors. Uh, I think he mentioned the number was minus 43. So the Cajuns have given 43 more freebies than they've gotten, uh, which is not great. That's not a great place to be. Um, and a lot of that is coming from a struggling bullpen. Deggs talked about the bullpen and the freebie battle. It's a matter of us limiting walks and hit batters. And it's a matter of us being able to produce big hits offensively and reach base. If you really look at our numbers, you know, some, some of the things we talk about is the, the freebie war, right? Walks, errors, hit by pitches. We're losing that big time. That's self-induced. We don't have to lose that big time. But if you look at the battle of the twos, we're pretty even. Our opponent has struck out more times than us. We have a higher two-out batting average than our opponent. We're down five RBIs. I think we've got 32-out RBIs. Our opponent has 35. So that's, that's pretty even. Uh, when you look at the uh, leadoff war, I think our opponents reached 66 times. We've reached 63. It's pretty even. For our schedule, that's not bad. Where we're missing a boat is we're putting ourselves in bad positions. And that can stop. I love I love how blunt he was right there. We're putting ourselves in bad positions, and that can stop. You know, one one last thing that he touched on was the challenge that Nichols presents tomorrow night. Nichols is a very well-coached ball club. They are always a thorn in the sides of their opponents. And this game kind of means a little more for the Cajuns than it has in years past. Pitching coach Seth Thibodeau, a year ago, was Nichols' head coach. Uh, He was let go from Nichols. The Cajuns lucked out to hire him. And so, again, you know, this game's got a little extra meaning other than just needing a win. So here's Deggs on, on what the biggest challenge is with Nichols. Nichols is a tough place to play. You know, you got to give them that, and they play off of that. It's a tough venue, especially for hitters if the wind's blowing in. It doesn't set up to the eye very well, and that, they use it as a strength, and I would too if I was there. And uh, they've got a great coach and Mike Silva, and I'm Mike for a long time. Going to do a great job. They've, you know, it's hard to say their, their style of ball right now because their coach is with me now, but it's always been like a trip to the dentist office. A trip to the dentist office. What an analogy. James, what in life do you think is like a dentist office? I'm, I'm not sure. I can't think of anything off the top. Just a pain in the you-know-what. Waking up getting out of bed. A lot. Getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, Nichols, again, it's always a struggle to, to play them because, like Dex says, it's a tough place to play. It's a good environment. They're a good team. And, you know, they've always given LSU trouble. They give Southeastern trouble. But the series or, or the set of games is going to matter a whole lot is this weekend against South Alabama. You don't have to live under a rock, 
to know the rivalry that UL and South Alabama have on a baseball field. Uh, it goes back 30 years. Cajun fans do not like South Alabama. South Alabama does not like the Cajuns. Which makes it fun, right? Because rivalries are always... Why do you think LSU fans look forward to the LSU-Alabama game so much? Because it's a rivalry. They're fun. They're always entertaining. But even more than that for the Cajuns this year, a win in the series against South Alabama could change the trajectory of this entire season. Here's Matt Dex. It could, and it's a great opportunity for us, just like last weekend was. But I understand the rivalry. I understand uh, the history of it and the battles that have taken place, and uh, we want to get right in the middle of that and, and, and play some great baseball. That weekend's going to be fun. Tomorrow night, 6.30 at Ray Didier Field in Thibodeau before coming back to the Teague to play South Al Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 6, 2, and 1 are your first pitch times for this weekend. We'll talk about more about that later in the week uh, leading up to the games. We'll take a timeout here when we come back. Once again, phone lines open, 706-0111. We'll talk some Cajun softball as well as get into McNeese baseball and softball as well. Don't move. The game will be right back. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 22nd, 1958. Kentucky defeats Seattle 84-72 in the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship game. Future Hall of Fame small forward and Seattle star Elgin Baylor is named as the tournament's most outstanding player. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Keep your bracket going strong. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers $150 in instant bonus guaranteed. That's right, you'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more, and your bet is completely up to you. You can choose between the money line, the totals, prop bets, and so much more. St. Peter's is my newest Cinderella, and I'm rooting for them to win it all. So go Peacock. But not to mention, I'm still expecting Houston to at least get to the Final Four. Join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB. Then you can place your $5 bet to score 150 in bonus site credit. Guaranteed. That's promo code KLWB on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. May just don't have a gambling problem. Gamble responsibly, like I do. $5 here, $10 there. You can still make money. I do it. It's fine. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk some Cajun softball now. Uh, winning a, another series victory this past weekend over Georgia Southern in Statesboro. No midweek game. For Jerry Glasgow's club, they do play at home this weekend against UT Arlington. And 
Coach Glasgow yesterday mentioned that he wants to be the most prepared when it comes to watching film on UT Arlington. I want to be. I was in the office early this morning. I've, I've gone through all the UT Arlington uh, last seven games. I've, I've actually written down every bat of every batter. For the last seven games, I want to be extremely familiar with them this weekend, and I want to be the most prepared for this series that I've been for any any game this year, just because I think it's enormously important for our ball club. You know, one one issue that the, the Cajun softball team has been struggling with is slow starts or, you know, giving up too many runs early on and not quite being able to claw back into it. You know, that's what happened with their loss on Saturday. It was you score two and then you give up six and then you just can't find your way back. And, uh, you know, Glasgow sat there yesterday at the press conference and talked about how the Cajuns just need to find ways to get off to better starts. Yeah, I think that we have to have a better focus in the bullpen and pregame warm-up. I think our pregame warm-up has to be much tougher and it has to be much more detailed. And so we'll, we've addressed that and we'll, we'll, we'll start trying. And that's our hope that that'll take care of it. And we'll add that in starting this week. So, again, the Cajuns winning their 66th consecutive Sunbelt Series this past weekend, which is the nation's longest win streak. They currently sit at 17-8. and eight. Again, playing UT Arlington this weekend, Friday at 6, Saturday at 2, Sunday at noon. A bright spot for Jerry Glasgow, however, has been Sam Landry. Number four prospect in America from, uh, from last season. And she started off hot. And then she kind of dealt with a nagging injury, and they're slowly working her back in. You know, she appeared in two games over the weekend, but she was on a pitch count. They wanted to limit her to about seventy pitches an outing. And uh, here's Coach Glasgow on Sam Landry's improvement. I thought she did a better job as the weekend went on of keeping the ball out of the middle of play. I think she's learning to respect college hitters a little bit more than she maybe come in, which is normal. Any time a pitcher's had great success in high school and in travel ball. They've probably been able to throw through the strike zone pretty much at will and without paying a price for it. And most of those pitchers, when they get to college, they find out when you make a mistake and put it down the middle, there is a price you'll pay sometimes. And I thought she did a great job yesterday really being out, out of the heart of the strike zone, yet staying ahead in the count and keeping ahead and limiting walks. So Sam Landry getting better. You need to see more out of Megan Shorman. You need to see more out of Kendra Lamb. One thing that has kind of held them back, though, from an offensive standpoint, is you're missing Raina O'Neill. And you missed Raina O'Neill most of last season, too. She gets the extra year of eligibility, comes back, gets hurt again. And, you know, for, for a little while, you thought that it would be, you know, a couple days, maybe a week or two. But according to Coach Glasgow yesterday, it's a little more long-term than uh, than most people thought. She's going to be out now for 
period of time. It's not days. It'll be a couple, three weeks minimum, and we're hoping to have her back late April. I think that would be our best case scenario would be mid to late April. And I think realistically, it could be as late as May. Realistically, as late as May. The Sunbelt Conference Tournament is scheduled for May 10th through the 14th. So if you get her back in May, that's with a week left in the regular season? It's not great odds. Now, best case scenario, if you can get her back mid to late April, she's clicking on all cylinders come the tournament. If it's not until May, I think she struggles a lot in in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and that's definitely not what Jerry Glasgow is looking for. But in his film study, I'm sure there was a thing or two that, that stood out about the Mavericks. And uh, here's Coach. Their scoring runs, they start out, they can't, they really struggle with, with South Al and scored three runs in that whole series. But then they turn around and they beat Oklahoma State three to one. They had three hits. They put, so they had a timely home run following a hit. That, that resulted in two of those three. And then they go over and they drew 17 walks. They drew eight walks, three walks, and six walks in the three games successively against Coastal Carolina. So they've scored their runs when they score them. They score them off a lot of walks, hit by pitches, or you give by air. I think it's going to be really important that we challenge our hitters. And we want to go at them. And then the pitching is we were, we're very familiar with Adams girl who was here in the fall, and we know what she does. So that part, that aspect of it, will be interesting to see how it plays out. But she's done a good job. She's gotten better as the seasons went on, and she'll keep the ball in the park, I think, for the most part. Once again, softball at UTA or at home against UTA this weekend, six two and twelve noon. McNeese baseball has a weekend series against. Houston Baptist, their game with Stephen F. Austin was canceled. It will be made up at a later date. But Houston Baptist this weekend at Joe Miller Ballpark. Houston Baptist not off to a great start, 6-15 on the year. But they are coached by an Astros legend in Lance Berkman. And yesterday, Coach Hill, Coach Justin Hill, was asked what it's going to be like having Lance Berkman in town this weekend? Well, I mean, I, 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 from a fan standpoint, it, it's, uh, we've, we, we've had some, you know, pretty, pretty strong personalities, uh, and, and, you know, you know, interesting stories from, uh, you know, opposing coaches come in this year right? in a lot of ways, uh, whether it be Dave Serrano's last year, you know, or, you know, a team that hosted a regional last year with, with, with coach Burroughs. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be pretty cool to see a guy. I mean, thank goodness it's not, me pitching to him, we'd be, I'd be really in trouble. But thank goodness it's our team versus his team. I got a better shot than me facing him personally. So, but hey, it goes into the investment of teams and, and uh, athletic departments within our league, the investment people are making um, in baseball. Um, and I think that that goes for us, that goes for uh, other teams, uh, you know, that, that you just kind of go down and uh, you see there's commitment to it. Um, you see that on the school board, you see that um, in facilities. So it, it, it'll be, Hey, if that if that's what brings the people in, then. And another topic that Coach Hill touched on is the amount of errors that McNeese has given up this season: 
25 errors so far on the year for the Cowboys. And he was asked what he and his coaching staff are doing to fix that number going down the stretch. You know, same thing we have been doing. I mean, that, that's that's guys that, again, that we trust. I mean, I think anybody would take a take a ground ball to Reed Bork at any time. And a couple of them are on exchange plays that, that kind of happen. Um, I, I think it's just continuing to put in the work and not, not just moving on past the fundamentals. I, I wouldn't say anything necessarily has changed. I don't even think there's a re-emphasis on anything. Uh, it's more, I think we, we know that errors are going to be part of the game. It's just when they're in a one-run game, you know, two one-run losses, and then the other one, I think, a two-run loss. I mean, they, they kind of get magnified in that. Good stuff from Coach Deggs, Coach Glasgow, and McNeese head baseball coach Justin Hill as well on those topics. Again, UL baseball tomorrow night against Nichols. UL softball this weekend against UTA. McNeese baseball this weekend against Houston Baptist in Lake Charles. And McNeese softball will be on the road tomorrow. Well, actually at home tomorrow against Southern Miss before heading to Corpus Christi this weekend to play the Islanders. Doubleheader Friday 1-3 and three, and then at noon on Saturday. Take a timeout. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, Koki Riley, LSU writer from the Daily Advertiser. He's back from Milwaukee. He's back from the LSU men's March Madness game from over the weekend. He'll join us to talk about that, LSU women's basketball last night, LSU baseball, and his thoughts on Matt McMahon. Don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, wants to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot and a burner, an ice chest, tumbler, some chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astros game. So sign up today for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish boil from J&J Exterminating. Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk LSU now. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser joins us on the game hotline. Koki, good afternoon, my man. And question number one right off the jump. How was Milwaukee? It was Milwaukee was nice. It's a beautiful city. I've never really been before. Um, I, I've been to a bunch of places. I've loved a bunch of places, but never really been to the Midwest. So it was cool. I mean, a lot of awesome bar food. Um, I, I heard my hotel was like, like like a five minute walk from the stadium too. So that was nice and easy. So um, yeah, and, and just to be clear, I was in Milwaukee for the uh, the LSU men's basketball game, or in what could have potentially been games, but it was only one game. So uh, I think that's what we're going to be diving into. Again, thanks for thanks so much for having me on, too. Absolutely. You know, let's dive right into that game, 59-54, to 54, Iowa State taking over or taking down LSU. 
you know, looking at the statistics, I can tell where it went wrong. LSU only shot 37% from the field, 21% from three. And Iowa State's top two scorers, Brockington and Hunter, combined for 42 of their 59. But from from your perspective, you know, front row seat at the Pfizer Forum Friday night, what went wrong for the Tigers? Um, I think it was a combination of a both of of a bunch of things. I think in the first half, it was about even for the first I want to say five eight minutes, and then it seemed like Iowa State went on a run and kind of took control of the game. And um, LSU was kind of playing from behind from from then on. And, and I just think the lack of offense that LSU had really from start to finish um, really hurt them in that game. And uh, Tyrese Hunter had the game of his life. I mean, the, the freshman who hit hit the incredible three-point shot that put the game to bed uh, with under a minute left uh, was a two-point game. And, that, and his long three is probably, probably what, a 30-footer. Um, and, and and that extended the lead to five, and that was that was kind of it from there. Um, but I just think overall, it, it, I think there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of small things that sort of happen. One, um, I mean, just the obvious uh, lack of uh, creation and stability in terms of their half court offense. Really, ever since Xavier Pinson hurt his knee against Tennessee, their half court offense, which was shaky before, kind of fell apart and never really got, came back together for the rest of the season for this team. And Pinson even said after the game that he just hasn't been a very good player since since that injury and you can kind of see how that sort of deteriorated their half court offense and I guess a really good Iowa State defense that really hurt them and Iowa State they simply hit more shots they simply hit more threes not too many more threes and Iowa State did take more threes I believe in that game as well um, but I mean that Hunter shot was kind of the difference and they had a couple more of those than LSU did even though LSU did play better in the second half and did force force a couple turnovers um, got to the free throw line a whole bunch um, but overall, we knew it was going to be a low-scoring game heading into it because these two teams are excellent defense. It was just a matter of, really, who's going to hit shots and who's going to create better looks in the half court, and, and Iowa State did that. So that's why they won that game. This LSU team finishes 22-12 and 12 on the year. They do move on from Will Wade, and they have now reached an agreement to hire Matt McMahon from Murray State, who just brought his team to the second round, but uh, they couldn't quite get past Cinderella. You know what are your what are your thoughts on, on McMahon? Is, is he the right guy at the right time for the Tigers? Yeah, McMahon's a really interesting and a really interesting hire. Of course, because of the sanctions and uh, the impending sanctions within the program, and what happened with Will Wade, and just the craziness of the last few weeks. It, I mean, getting a Brian Kelly esque sort of figure to or a Kim Mulkey-esque figure to take over the program was probably never realistic. Uh, but Murray was on my list of 12 candidates uh, right after the Wade firing. Um, so I, I just figured, I kind of looked at his resume and sort of, just sort of figured that he could be a fit here. Um, he does have some ties to the South. He's an Oak Ridge, Tennessee native. Uh, he's, he has an excellent track record of success at Murray State. And he's not one of those mid-major coaches who have been been at a certain place forever. It just doesn't really seem realistic that they would leave that certain place. Think of the coach at, coach over over at Vermont. Um, so I, I mean, at Murray State, just to go kind of go off his resume here. Last this past season, they went 30, 31 and three. Obviously, made the second round of the tournament. Lost to St. Peter's, of course, and he, three tournament appearances in five years. And one of those for for McMahon at Murray State, and one of those seasons, of course, the COVID year, so they didn't even have a tournament that season. So, I he has a really excellent 
track record. And it, it just and it seems like, of course, he also coached John Morant, uh, the star of the Memphis Grizzlies. So he does have an excellent track record of developing talent and producing a consistent winner over at Murray State. And I, 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 I got to say, this is a pretty good hire considering the circumstances um, around LSU's program. Chatting with Cookie Riley of the Daily Advertiser here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Cookie, let's transition to the women's basketball team now, falling 79 to 64 last night to the Ohio State Buckeyes in the second round of the women's NCAA tournament. Going from 9 and 13 a year ago to 26 and 6 this year, Kim Mulkey is obviously a, a legend in women's college basketball, but just in one year, Talk about the impact that she's made on this program and the impact that she will continue to make going forward. Well, the impact that she's made on this program was probably more immediate than, heck, even she believed that that's so, um, that being so. so. And I think that, I mean, of course, her track record's incredible, three national championships at Baylor, but to... To go from what you said, nine and thirteen, to being the number being number three seed in the NCAA tournament, all in the same season with a very similar roster, by the way. Um, this is a senior senior heavy team. That's that's pretty unremar- That's pretty remarkable. And really, the only ex- like the only explanation that makes any sense as to why that turnaround happened so so quickly is because is Kim Mulkey because she's just an incredible coach. She lights up a room she is she brings a presence that is kind of impossible to describe unless you're kind of in the room listening to her and there's there are very few coaches not just in women's college basketball but in college basketball in general kind of have the that has the sort of gravity that she has and it just seems like she grabs people's attention um and i'm just a media member and she grabs she grabs my attention <laughs> Um, that it, that it, that it must definitely trickle down to the players, and, and it seemed like with this veteran team that they just they they everything just sort of came together in this like in this perfect synergy. And, and Kayla Pointer was amazing, and Alexis Morris before her injury was kind of like the the, the 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 Robin to Pointer's Batman, and it was just it was just this perfect everything sort of came together in this really really beautiful way for them this season. Um, and I, they, I think they, if I, and to be honest, if Morris hadn't gotten hurt, um, I, I honestly think that they could have made an even, even deeper run the tournament. I mean, they needed that number two score. They needed that strong perimeter play because this is not a team that was never necessarily going to beat, um, beat teams to the ground underneath, uh, I, Autumn Newby and, 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 um, and, and that crew underneath, it just wasn't quite strong enough, um, in my opinion, to drive the team. So they needed that guard play. And, and with Morris's injury, they kind of they kind of lost that there. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, you know, Kayla Pointer and, and Jalen Cherry obviously meant a, a ton to this program, fifth-year seniors and, and two of the top players. Kim Mulkey last night talked about how they're going to attack this roster – with high school seniors as well as transfer portal, uh, you know, tw- this is this is the age of the transfer portal. But one thing that I found interesting was that 
she was talking about how the high school seniors that she's going to go after are McDonald's All-Americans, and they're going to be some of the best women's basketball players in the entire country. You know, what do you what do you think about that, and, and how realistic of a goal is that for LSU? I just I think that's extremely realistic. I mean, when you have someone like Kim Mulkey heading your program, uh, you can get almost anyone in the country, and you can compete for almost any recruit in the country. It's not like recruits, top recruits in other sports, heck, even in men's basketball, don't want to come here. I mean, before the wage firing, they had five, LSU just had had three five star recruits committed between the next two next two years with Will Wade in charge. Imagine what you can do with someone like Kim Mulkey and with all the resources LSU has as a as just a athletics institution. So of course they can grab some of the best players in the nation. I, that to be honest, that's probably the greatest benefit of having someone like Mulkey, right? Because if you want to create sustainability within your program, transfers are great and they fill in holes and it's become the free agency of college sports. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it's recruiting that sort of keeps the lifeline of a program going and keeps that consistency year in, year out. Next year, they, they probably will take a step back just because of all the seniors that they lost. But, I mean, I, it'll be really interesting to see what, what kind of impact those freshmen make immediately and um, if they stay and, or, 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 and whatnot. Like, how is, that, how is this new group, this first really official class for Mulkey, going to come together and um, build LSU women's basketball into a perennial national title contender. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser joins us here on the game. One more question for you, Koki. Looking at LSU baseball schedule, you know, Louisiana Tech tomorrow night at the box, and then you go to Gainesville to play a three-game series against a perennial power in Florida. You know, there's some fans that, that think that, that Jay Johnson is, is under pressure already, 20 games in. Uh, do do you agree with that? I mean, obviously, you know the errors and the and the lack of pitching that there seems to be seems to be an issue. But at the same time, it's still very early in in a brand new coaching tenure. Yeah, I don't know if we should be calling for Jay Johnson's job quite just yet. I I just I think that is overreactive. Um, but I do but I do think it's okay to be concerned about this team, I, even though it is only twenty games in the season. It's because they just don't have a ton of not just established experience in the rotation, but talent in the rotation. It's not heading into the year. They were missing a Friday starter. They were, and they weren't quite sure who their Saturday starter was going to be or their Sunday starter. It was kind of all up in the air. Blake money has stepped up, but he, he did not pitch very well on Saturday against Texas A&M. So I, it's, that is a concern and the lack of defense, like usually that doesn't fix itself. Um, and I, and especially when it's coming from the shortstop position, I mean, Jordan Thompson has eight errors this season. That's just not, you can't really survive with that. So I, the, the combination of pitching and, and defense is, is certainly a worry. And also the amount, the, the amount they're lying on someone like Riley Cooper out of the bullpen is, is not making the bullpen much better either. So I, I mean, their offense is incredible. It's the thing that's going to uh, propel them to at least relevancy this season. I'm not saying that they're going to like miss the regionals or anything like that, but I, 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 you, if 
if you had if you came into the season thinking LSU had a real shot at winning the national title, I mean, those hopes. I wouldn't say they should be totally dashed, but they should definitely be on uh, on a warning standby because it's I I, I mean they, they have a lot of they have a lot of holes to fix, and I don't know how they're going to fix them. Cookie Riley of the Daily Advertiser has been our guest. Cookie, appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, settle back into Lafayette, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks so much, Matt. We'll take one last time out here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Twitter poll. We'll get you set up for tomorrow here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. A couple more minutes before we get out of here for the day. James Mesh. In case, in case our listeners didn't know this, James Mesh is a Boston Celtics, and I've ribbed him for it time and time again. There is a tweet from Sports Illustrated. Will this Celtics fan regret getting this tattoo? And it is a tattoo of a Boston Celtics 2022 World Championship banner. James, are they winning that the just, title this that year? That just ruined it. That just ruined it for me. Oh, why would you do that? I hate when people do that. It well, it never works out. That's what I'm saying. It never works out if you prematurely get a tattoo. Because this, I wouldn't be surprised if they got eliminated in the first round now. In the first round, oh man! What? Why would you do that? Oh, Jane. And also, Demarcus Robinson to the Raiders. Why are we missing out on so many receivers? Well, I didn't really care for Demarcus Robinson anyway. Well, okay. So right now, you got Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because, again, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Marquez Callaway, little Jordan Humphrey, Deontay Hardy aren't number twos. They're not. They're three, four, five. And I agree with you, but there's still plenty of other receivers that are out there that you can go get. You you missed out on Jamison Crowder. You missed out on Demarcus Robinson. That book's starting to run thin. And yet there's still plenty of pages. Starting to run thin. That is just about going to do it for this episode of Crunch Time. Before we run final check-in on our poll results, what's Mac McMahon's ceiling at LSU? 34% of you say a natty. 31% say the Sweet 16. 26% say 20-plus wins. 9% say an SEC title. It'll be fun. Seven years, $20.3 million for the former head coach, of Murray State. Tomorrow, we will give you a preview of LSU baseball as well as UL baseball. We will talk some more Saints. We will talk some Pelicans. And as always, we'll take your phone calls. 706-0111 is the number for the game hotline. Thank you to Koki Riley. Thank you to Brendan Ertle. Thank you to the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. Everybody, enjoy your Taco Tuesday. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jay's Mesh, what is it? Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll see y'all tomorrow.